Hello and welcome. It's Thursday, March 23rd, and you're listening to Arizona's News Roundup, the weekly podcast that gets you caught up on all the biggest stories in the state on your time. I'm your host, Taylor Kinnerup, managing editor here at KTAR News. On this podcast, we're breaking down all the top stories happening right now to keep you in the loop on all things Arizona. We also look ahead at what's to come to make sure you know what to keep an eye out on until our next episode. This week, I'll break down all the top stories, including DHS Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas' Arizona border visit and flooding in the Arizona high country. But first, let's talk about homelessness in Phoenix. This topic isn't new by any means to the city, the state, KTAR, or even in my personal reporting. But a New York Times article published over the weekend gave names and faces to those being impacted in the ongoing housing crisis. Now, this is typically part of the podcast where I say something like, let's go back or allow me to explain. But with a topic like homelessness, trying to put how we got here to this point in time into context would require a massive zoom out akin to pulling a thread on a sweater that never ends. So I'll start with the New York Times article and go from there. The story is called A Sandwich Shop, A Tent City, and An American Crisis. It's by Eli Saslow, and I highly encourage you take the time to read it. Joe and Debbie Falacci are in their 60s and have owned Old Station Subs off of 13th Avenue in Jefferson for decades. They've seen how the neighborhood has changed and how the homeless population has grown right before their eyes. In the article, Saslow describes how the Old Station Sub Shop and the neighborhood have effectively been overrun by the growing homeless encampments referred to as The Zone. Saslow embedded himself with the couple for two weeks. And in that time period, saw as Joe would wash away human feces from the sidewalk in front of their restaurant, or how Debbie would be berated by those suffering from mental illness. The story details drug use, mental health problems, gunfights, danger, and a seemingly lawless community within one of the biggest cities in the country. Here's how Joe described it to the Gatos and Chad show this week. It's really, really bad, you know, because my customers sit out the back porch there and they're eating and people are doing all sorts of weird things. What are they doing, Joe? They're defecating, they're peeing. There's a lot of screaming, a lot of uh, yelling, a lot. And there's occasional fights and occasional clothes being taken off. The Falachis have offered jobs to those who can keep them, a bathroom for those in need. They've called in countless wellness checks and they've reached out to dozens of politicians although their cries for help have gone largely unanswered. They haven't helped us, and that's why, you know, we're, we're suing the city. You know, we're not asking for any, any monetary uh, assistance. We just want our neighborhood back. We want to be like everybody else, you know. We want to run a business without people peeing and pooping. You know, we want to run a business without people coming into your business and screaming and yelling. Now, like I said, I've had personal experience covering this topic. It's actually one of the last stories I covered in person before the pandemic began. In March 2020, Mayor Kate Gallego revealed her plan to combat the growing homeless problem. She called for $3 million to be allocated to the city budget to fight homelessness. She wanted all county mayors to meet to discuss a plan to ensure Phoenix wasn't shouldering the crisis alone and for an additional 500 beds to be added to the Human Services Campus in downtown Phoenix. That was on March 3, 2020. Just days later, a global pandemic put the world on pause, including this plan. Additionally, the pandemic exacerbated the root causes of homelessness as many lost jobs, faced growing health problems, and as the ability to provide in-person services virtually vanished overnight. And from my perspective, that's how Phoenix's homeless problem ballooned into a full-blown crisis. And that's not just hyperbole. 
Last year, the Maricopa County Association of Governments reported a 35 percent increase in homelessness since the pandemic. They anticipate that trend will continue this year. And there are a myriad of factors impacting this increase, from rising rents to a shortage in the housing market, untreated mental health conditions, and the rampant use of fentanyl. The strain has led Debbie to want to sell the restaurant, but Joe isn't ready to call it quits. It really bothers me because I feel that in three or four years, you know, that location is is going to be different. You know, it has to change, you know, but uh, we're too old to wait it out. And uh, she wants to sell and I want to get I, what I feel is my numbers are good. You know, my numbers are pretty good. I want to get a fair price and um, we're not going to be able to get a fair price because Every time somebody goes and looks at it, they say they love the little place. It's cute. It's unusual. uh, But we can't deal with the, the situation there. And I don't blame them. This article from The New York Times is a reminder of how devastating the homeless crisis continues to be for all impacted. And truly, we are all impacted. It also highlights how deeply entangled this issue is with other big issues like the economy as a whole drug use, and mental health, none of which are simple in their own right. But if there is any optimism in this story, it's that after nearly four years of being face-to-face with this problem, people like Joe and Debbie are still doing all they can to treat those around them with empathy and dignity. And it's an example I think that we can all learn from. This week, another big headline was made at the southern border. Secretary of Homeland Security Alejandro Mayorkas made a trip to Arizona's southern border. Mayorkas was joined by Governor Katie Hobbs at the Nogales Mariposa Port of Entry in addition to roundtable discussions, medical facility tours, and even an event to celebrate the department's 20th anniversary. This visit has been a long time coming for Arizonans. As Governor Katie Hobbs revealed in January, she had personally spoken to Mayorkas and requested he come toward the border. Not to mention, many border hawks have criticized Mayorkas for what they call inaction on the border. Mayorkas also received plenty of flack when he visited the Phoenix metro area for the Super Bowl last month, but didn't comment on the border or make a trip to see it. But Mayorkas took this trip as a victory lap, touting the department's new operation, Blue Lotus. In a border press conference, Mayorkas says the operation stopped more than 900,000 pounds of fentanyl from entering the U.S. In its first week, Operation Blue Lotus has already resulted in 18 seizures, 16 federal arrests, and two state arrests. More than 700 pounds of meth and 100 pounds of cocaine were also seized. Mayorkas explained the operation was likely successful due to an increase in targeted inspections by border personnel. He also unveiled a six-point plan in anticipation for the end of the public health policy, Title 42, which will likely come to an end in early summer. The Homeland Security Secretary also praised the new CBP-1 app, which is designed to make applying for asylum easier for those in certain Central American countries. However, the app recently received criticism from some members of Congress for allegedly not identifying darker skin tones. This tour of Arizona's southern border was part of a two-day trip. Mayorkas left from Arizona to Texas to hold private meetings with stakeholders there. These meetings also come as it appears the new Biden border policy could be working to decrease border crossings. Most recently, February's border crossings show a 17% decrease from the same time last year. However, border sheriffs and border hawks are the first to point out that those numbers are much higher than they were a decade ago. So even with the 17% decrease, that was still more than 35,000 migrant encounters. 
And while it's unclear if Secretary Mayorkas has any intention of coming back to Arizona's southern border or what the fate of policies like Title 42 will be, it is clear that Governor Hobbs is going to continue to hold up the border as a win for her administration. She's noted now on several occasions that this border trip with Mayorkas is her third trip to the state's southern border in less than 100 days in office. And if you're headed up north this weekend, you may want to think again. To quote our amazing senior reporter, Jim Cross, this winter has been unbelievable. The high country has seen dozens of feet of snow and isn't expecting that to stop anytime soon. But all that snow has made for a whole lot of water, which in a desert is great, but can also lead to a lot of problems. Since last week, Jim Cross has reported that slightly warmer temperatures have called for rain instead of snow in some areas, like Sedona. But that rain would be likely to melt snowpack too quickly and could cause flooding. Here's what Mark O'Malley from the National Weather Service told Jim. Be prepared that there could be some closed roads up there because there's going to be a lot of runoff and a lot of issues with the smaller rivers and streams. And starting Tuesday, parts of Sedona began getting evacuated. Then early Wednesday morning, the Yavapai County Sheriff's Office started to evacuate neighborhoods throughout Sedona, Cottonwood, and Black Canyon City. And the pictures are something to see. Water levels rising just a few feet from the tops of bridges where cars are crossing, boulders and mud falling into the roads, and even people and piggies being caught up in the rush of water. Schools in the area were canceled, roads were closed, and evacuation centers have been set up. And as I've said, more water is a great thing in Arizona, but it can also leave devastation in its path. As our snowpack begins to melt and all the greenery begins to bloom in spring, remember what our heat can do and how wildfire season isn't far away now. I foresee Arizona's weather continuing to grab headlines throughout the rest of the year. So that's it. You're all caught up for this week, the week of Monday, March 20th. But what's ahead? March Madness continues. Although the University of Arizona likely burst your bubble and busted your bracket after losing as a two-seed to 15-seed Princeton. Both ASU and GCU are also already out of the tournament. The Arizona Supreme Court has made multiple rulings this week and likely could keep going. The high court rejected all but one of Republican Carrie Lake's election claims. That one claim now heads back to a trial court for as the state Supreme Court ruled, being dismissed too quickly. Also something to keep an eye on, the high court has ruled that Governor Katie Hobbs does not have to carry out a warrant of execution, meaning the state is definitively pausing executions, while Hobbs enacts an executive order to review the process. And the Cartwright School District has now created a four-day work school week for both students and staff in the hopes of recruiting and retaining more teachers. Could other districts in the state follow suit? Remember, you can read more on all the week's top stories and get breaking news in real time on KTAR.com. You can also listen live on 92.3 FM or to take KTAR everywhere you go, just download the KTAR News app for articles, podcasts, and of course, breaking news. With that, I'm Taylor Kinnerup, and you've been listening to KTAR's Arizona's News Roundup. Until next week.